Hey, listener. On today's episode of Measuring Flicks, we're talking about Jacob's Ladder, the 1990 film, not the biblical story from the book of Genesis, which, translated from Middle English, reads, Then he dreamed, and behold, there stood a ladder upon the earth, and the top of it reached up to heaven. And lo, the angels of God went up and down by it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father. And he sounded a lot like John Wayne. And the God of Isaac, the lamb upon which thou sleepest, will I give thee in thy seed. And that, you know, so, you know, God promising some land to the come, I guess, of a deceptive sociopath who so often and grievously cons, cheats, and lies to his family in order to achieve grace, power, and dominion that he's literally fleeing for his life from his murderous brother, uh, Esau, at the time that he has this dream that I just read to you. All of that doesn't really seem to have much to do with the movie that we watched. <laughs> so Carl and I don't talk about it at all over the course of about four hours. Um, I just wanted you to know why we're not bringing up the biblical story from which this film takes its name. Uh, this is one of the weird episodes. Uh, two parts for sure, maybe three. I'm still cutting the back nine of this monster. Um, the first part of this episode is an enthusiastic conversation and or uh, primer on Gnosticism and modern Gnostic philosophy. Not agnostic or agnosticism, but Gnosticism. Gnostic philosophy is pretty mind-bending shit, so this episode is going to make your brain itch, but uh, that first hour will really set you up for success in a very twisty conversation about the, the very nature of reality and a really, really cool movie. Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson, and... It did feel pretty good. It's it, we all and there was almost like the it's almost like we rolled into it mm-hmm. as though it had hadn't a professional been sort of quality to it. Like we've been doing up this to recently. the point where I called it out and then got on this and it immediately fell apart. Immediately fell apart. Yeah. So, um, hi, listener. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, Carl and I would like to read a, we, a we prepared, prepared statement piece for you. <laughs> <laughs> we've been away. Because even handsome, well-hung, creative geniuses need to step back and recharge their batteries every once in a while. It's been a long time between episodes this summer, and we're so fucking sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Carl and I sat down today, and we figured out our schedules for the next month. It is August 1st that we're recording this. We have planned all the way through to August, well, August 22nd. Uh, We have filled a massive amount of our free time with Measuring Flicks episodes. Now, we have left some space in our schedule. Not much. We're doing three episodes a week until we catch up as penance. We're taking our medicine. We're taking it on the jaw. We are. We are. We're going to we we're giving you one for free. Come on, listener. We'll do we'll do three episodes a week in August. Me straight in the balls. Yes. Well, we'll put hands behind head. Yeah. Hands behind head. Full like standing legs of spreadings. Parade rest. Yeah. You bring it on yeah. up. <laughs> um, so, 
part of the reason that we've been bad is because Carl and I work jobs that require different amounts of time depending on how many tourists are around. And right now, summer be busy for holy what we do. Holy shit, this is a different kind of summer too. Yeah, it's a summer after a summer where people were told to stay at home. Yeah, all man, summer. people are so, kind of cutting loose a little bit, and it's it's definitely biting on us. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> there was a day, a couple of a couple of days ago, Carl came over to record this episode. Yep, the episode that we but are a week re- ago. Yeah, yeah, a week ago, Carl came over to, to record this episode we're like all right let's get together after work carl walks in and i'm like i got the mics like half set up i'm like hey man how was work i sat down on your floor he sat down on my floor and leaned his back against like the awning that leads into the living room and he fell asleep basically no, pretty much did you're like i'm just finishing making uh making a t- tamale or whatever I'm like all right cool you're like five minutes i'm like all right cool bro and I totally yeah, yeah. fucking fell asleep on your floor i was like working i was like almost done with dinner because you got here a little earlier than anticipated yeah. so i'm like yeah let me just finish uh, rolling up these burritos and i'm like carl carl the do- like the dogs are just laying yeah. on him. He's- oh, dude, I have they cuddle me so good though. That was one of the reasons why I fell asleep. Was like I immediately yeah. dog therapy, dude. Dogs on me. I'm like, oh, good night then. It's like an ambient. Yeah, just like the like a like a fluff the fluff of a dog's mm-hmm. behind their ears. It'll put you oh, right God, out. So good. So of course I was like, no, you go home and go to bed, dude. You had a day. And you were like, of course, like I'll cowboy through it. And I'm like, I know, but it's. It's Jacob's ladder. We kind of need. <laughs> so maybe this is not the this is not the motion pi- picture with which to cowboy up. Yeah, we don't cowboy through this. We no. see what happens when you cowboy up in this film. And exactly. <laughs> your leg turns no. into a, a tube of soup. So <laughs> a tube of soup. So there's been a couple of times where this has happened, where we get we're like, all right, this is the episode day, and then we go through like 11 hours in. In Nam, with yeah, our brains much, full yeah. of like experimental government psychedelics, essentially. Try this DG four eighty two. Yeah, man. Weed or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Then we get home from from work and it's like, oh man, I have. It seems like I saw a lot of demons today. So, uh, so yeah. So we put together an actual schedule that is totally like doable and tenable yeah. and is not reliant on whether or not. We're totally fucking church <laughs> butter churned. We were being so we've learned from what the last few weeks have given us. Yes, and so we sat down and said, "How do we work within this framework?" Yep, yep. And yep. I think we have something that is doable. Partly it's been work, but also we formed a band about a year after we formed a podcast, is Suede Rainbow. Yeah. And uh, we've been kicking around songs for like a couple of years, mostly just jamming in the living room. But mm-hmm. right after the pandemic fit, like kind of started wrapping up and everyone was getting vaccinated, there's weird like synergistic energy yeah. with lots of synchronicities tied to it. There are things going on here. There's, yeah, there's. Beyond the realm of our earthly knowledge. So we kind of just were like, okay, this is like enough material for an album. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the universe is kind of aligning. The d- things are falling into place, and like energy is forming around this thing in a weird, insistent way. So yeah. let's run with it. So Suede Rainbow is working on their first, al- our first album right now. We are getting together with a drummer. We've got a mul- like two rehearsals a week now. Mm-hmm. So consistent, like it's a thing. Now. Yeah, like we have two band practices a week, and that just happens every week now. It, it yep. does. It's starting to feel like very legitimate. So we've been trying to keep that energy rolling. And kind of just push on that because it's it's fun. It's been mm-hmm. really good for, for my brain and for my soul. Yeah. So if Carl and I can actually pull off what we're planning to do, we will be fully caught up on season four, including all requisite quarterly shootouts. Because I think we're about to be like two shootouts. Behind. Yeah, that's all right. It's fucked. But yeah, um, including all the requisite quarterly shootouts by the first week of September. So fucking sorry. <laughs> Again, um, 
you are about to listen to Carl and I talk about Jacob's Ladder. And then, because you know what? You guys seem to like to watch the movies before you hear us talk about them. So, uh, following Jacob's Ladder, Enter the Void by Gaspar Noe. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> disclaimer, <laughs> not everybody is going to want to watch that um, one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to wrap up this month with uh, The Cell, which Bird will be appearing as a special guest on that show. The Cell is awesome. Vincent D'Onofrio and Jennifer Lopez. It's a great one, man. So, um, so we are a listener-supported podcast. Thank fuck. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you so much, patrons. Um, like they'll put out. They'll sh- they'll shit on an episode. They're eventually. like sometime an episode's gonna drop. Well, we have been leaving the patron with little breadcrumbs of what's been going on yeah. with Sway and Rainbow. We've so. we've yeah. been we've been updating them on some some of the music stuff, which they seem to like. And yeah. if you want to go and hear what the music stuff is all about, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slash/QuillenFilm. Q U I L L A N D F I L M. I'm gonna say right now we've been bad boys you don't have to go and become a patron right now just go and no don't give us money we don't deserve that this month go feel free it's a it's a it's an all swim yeah yeah jump on in get on the deep end head over there there's a massive amount of content on patreon that is no longer paywalled i took the paywalls down on everything we'd done up until the pandemic started so there's like hours and hours of episodes um so if you can get full-length bonus episodes shout outs on the show which you'll hear in just a moment um and we're also kind of like you know that is the place to go and talk and hang out Mm -hmm. and if you like what we do or if you're curious what the tunage sounds like that's mostly where it's at right now so patrons thank you baloney shoes leslie ty Thank you, Cassandra. If you don't listen to Cassandra Explains It All, uh, I listen on Spotify. I think it's on iTunes as well. Um, thank you, Jeffrey T. Morgan, Kevin Ramirez, Sarah Hartley, William Rockwood, Brian Jackson, David Rowney. Also, shout out, happy happy uh, Bachelor Weekend, David Rowney. So that was incredible. What an unbelievable soiree that was. And we'll be attending a fucking super soiree for his birthday That's very right. shortly. Um, so future happy birthday david rowney thank you kelly and mike wagner thank you daniele hartelli mad shout out to connor sweeney haven't seen him in too long mm-hmm. and thank you so much uh casey Shiby, who i just saw um fair john and casey were just here like a couple That's of days right. ago I fucking missed out yeah so, probably buried in wine so thank you john Shiby and casey Shiby. fabulous uh evening around the fire with s'mores awesome. and kebabs and uh that phenomenal wine over there. It's a Ruminat Primitivo. Mm-hmm. Picked it up from Burritz. If you're local, swing down to Burritz and get you a bottle of that. God damn. All right. It was my introduction to Primitivo, and it kind of knocked, knocked my socks off. Yeah, run on down. Um, so thank you to our patrons. Bless you. All right, listener, you have put up with way too much as it is. So let's get into it. This is the, this is the trailer. This is the moment that you start falling down the spiral. That is Jacob's Ladder. Every day, Jacob Singer goes to work. What's wrong? It's one of those days. And every day, he wonders what is happening to him. Maybe it's the pressure, Jake. They're like demons, Jess. They weren't human. What were they, Jake? Well, look at your hand. You have a very strange line. See, according to this, you're already dead. <laughs> Something's wrong, Jake. 
they're coming after me. I don't know who they are or what they are, but they're going to get me, and I'm scared, Jake. I've seen them, too. Maybe the demons are real. He's running 106 feet with... This is barbaric. I can get rid of the demons. Who are you? I can block the ladder. Where are you taking me? Where am I? Where do you want to go? Home. This is your home. You're dead. I'm not dead. What are you then? I'm alive. Well, shit. So, yeah, that... That's a that's a trailer right there. You know what else? You know what else? All this nonsense is. This is a fucking movie. It is. Carl. It's a capital oh. M movie, dude. I, you know, like I hesitate to use the word film because I mean it. it like, there's so much in here that is a film, but it does. When I say film, sometimes what I secretly mean is possibly unapproachable. You know, like yeah, I know Jacob's what you mean. Ladder has. I've watched it three times now the first two times i watched it high the last time i watched it sober i watched it twice with bird this is one of those movies where like i feel like you could show this to anyone yeah yeah it's, i can see that it's if you if you are versed in certain like occult things this movie's very fucking wild this this to me is a is a gnostic film mm-hmm. on par with the matrix yeah but like easily no doubt about it. This film had, and what's interesting is we picked all the movies for this month before we started working on the album we're working on, The Gnostic, mm-hmm. which is an album about Gnosticism. And like three quarters of the movies of this month are Gnostic films. For the layperson, what is a brief two sentence? We will be definition. getting deep into Gnosticism okay, as we so go. Don't so worry about that. We'll don't worry, listener. You will. Right you will okay. learn much about Gnosticism over the course of the next hour or two hour and a half. But, but to your point, you yeah. don't have to be versed in that no. to watch this and enjoy this movie. That's the cool. It's like yeah. it's like in that way. I'll probably be comparing this to The Matrix. Not sure. that they're necessarily similar films, even, Mm-mm. but the concepts and themes they deal with are so overlapping and the and the that line that they ride where like you can sit down and watch the matrix and if you know about the occult and in particular pre-christian gnosticism and then post-christian gnosticism that movie means like it the the rich metaphorical tapestry that well, is the matrix will blow your mind the human city of survival is called zion for christ right and you know like it's literally i mean you've got you've got uh, like machine humans are literally plugged into a fabricated, a fabricated world yeah. it is exactly the if you listener if you've seen the matrix when i explain what gnosticism is in a bit you're gonna be like oh you, oh, mean, you mean the, the matrix. matrix yeah <laughs> um so that's one of the things that i love about that movie is you can show that to someone who knows none of that, and they're like, "What a fucking awesome action sci-fi yep. flick!" Yep. Jacob's Ladder, same way. You watch this, and, and it's asking questions, and you're not sure why you're curious about things now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of there's sneaky in that way. It opens up doors. That it you're red not pills even, you a little it bit. It does. Which it secretly red pills. You it's a sec- yeah. It's it it creates a moment of gnosis, which is yeah. the that moment of awakening or like that head click bit where. Neo wakes up and sees the world like Jacob's Ladder gets you really thinking about your world. It does because it's very uh, it well Jacob's Ladder is more um, it has to do with like it's a it, where in the it's Matrix hard to talk pl- about it is well in the <laughs> Matrix you're plugged in and you're not sure what your reality is like is, right. it, is it this world that's been fabricated for you mm-hmm. and if it's just as real as the environment that you seem to be in now 
what's the difference between the two and why is one favored over the other where here it's more of a life and death in the bridge between what is reality if you're having some sort of either a flashback or a lateral experience rather than a are you jumping forward are you jumping back is it a sideways move like this movie asks a lot of questions it's a little bit like that fundamental uh, uh, sorry go ahead no. i didn't mean to oh and i always forget the name of the story the the soldier that's being hung and the rope breaks and he lives a long and happy life and then at the and on his deathbed the rope pulls tight and he's hung on the bridge like where he actually died on the bridge and just imagined and dreamed this entire right, life right. so yeah yeah the, it's this it, has a lot of that happening like lost that's yeah, sort of thing, yeah, and Lost is another one of those types of movies where, um, I guess that, let me do the cast yeah, list yeah, yeah, first. So this movie is directed by Adrian Lin. It was written by Bruce Joel Rubin. Cinematography by Jeffrey Kimball. You gotta shout these people yeah. out because holy shit, the script is so tight. This, I read a great review of this movie, which said the the conceit and the overall effect is so beautiful to behold. That you forgive all the plot holes and and there are a lot of there's them. tons of like dangling threads and strings, but Don't that's shit about it though. well, that's partly part of the beauty of how this movie is structured is like when when you get to the end of the film and you're you're trying to parse out which of three realities mm-hmm. is objective reality and what objective reality even means at the end of this experience you've and just that's had. The question I walk away with, both for the right. Matrix and this movie. It's like, is it Siler, the, the the one that turns everybody in in the first Matrix movie? He's sitting down with Agent Smith. He's God eating a steak. Cypher? Cypher. He's yeah. eating a steak. He's like, this. I know this steak is doesn't exist. It's only in my head, but it's juicy and it's delicious. And it's right when he is ignorant. If, if they plug me back in, because if I'm ignorant to this, not then ignorance, ignorance is, bliss. is bliss. Yeah. You know what I've learned yeah. over the last five years or whatever? Exactly. Um, So. And then let me run through the cast yeah, really yeah. quick. Then we'll probably have to just talk about Gnosticism for a while. Probably. And then we'll we'll dive in. But one of the things that I... This movie is absolutely, without a doubt, filled with things that don't make sense. But I I do think... Most of it, actually. There are things that... But I think, there are things that exist and are shot in here just because they're kind of ooky spooky and creepy and weird. Yeah. But... They the movie wouldn't have the impact it does without them but, either. Yes, but, we're gonna keep talking about the movie and not get through the cast. That's list. true. We got to do it. Okay, so st- <laughs> I love IMDb's new like layout. This is fucking awesome. Um, so this movie stars Tim Robbins as Jacob, um, Elizabeth Pena as Jesse Jezebel, mm-hmm. Danny Aiello as Lewis. This I love seeing is him. a masterpiece yeah. performance yeah. from Danny Aiello. Tim Robbins is also like top of his game. I yeah, but you gotta shout out Aiello. He's transcendent in this. What's movie. he? Is he credited as the chiropractor? Louis. Louis. Okay, yeah. he does have a name. I'm I wasn't sorry, sure I if Lewis, he was named or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt Craven as Michael. Pruitt Taylor Vince as Paul. Love. Every time I see Pruitt Taylor Vince, since I saw him for the first time in Constantine as the alcoholic priest. Oh, my God. Yes, dude. He is so good. Jason Alexander as Geary. Um, Arik LaSalle as Frank. This is a huge cast, but huge. they deserve the, the accolades. Patricia Kalember as Sarah. Ving Rames as George. You might know him from Pulp Fiction. He's been <laughs> a in movie the, from the 90s. This tiny little 94 flick. Actually, so this is pre-Pulp Fiction. Four years, yeah. Um, uh, Brian Tarantina as Doug, and then 
Let's do Brett Hinckley as Jerry, Suzanne Shepard as hospital. Re- Actually, Suzanne Shepard as hospital receptionist is fucking also amazing. I'm so glad I found her name, Suzanne Shepard. We're is gonna she talk. She's the one where like you don't, you're not a, you yes. don't, you're not a person I, here, I and she's got a weird to, fucking like horn tumor going on her fucking oh my head, God. dude. And even better, she has a moment. She has a moment of physical acting that is without a doubt prop for me. The current front runner for best hand acting. No shit. It's unbelievable when she's going through that filing cabinet. But um, so Carl, let's. That's the cast. We know the director. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know. We're just gonna leave this on the table because directed I, Fatal Attraction. Yeah, which is another great movie. That movie is uncomfortable. Well, this movie is also uncomfortable. It's for. So, it's the. It's one of the most uncomfortable. Flicks that we've watched recently, besides Enter the, Enter the Void, Void, yeah, Enter we'll the Void about. really doubles down on. But yeah. it's uncomfortable for a different reason. That movie's uncomfortable because it's weird and it's visual, and you have these long stretches of nothing happening, but just this and it's visual very thing. Bl- brutally graphic and yeah. very raw, yeah. And this is uncomfortable because of how it begins. You're immediately put on your back, you're racked on your heels, and then you're. You're never quite sure where you are right. and what the rules of any of the realities, heavy air quotes, that you're in and th- are. And that is why I not only forgive but like the stuff in here that doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't have to make sense if you think about it in the terms of the movie. If he is, in fact, heavy spoilers, dying in Vietnam yeah. from a gut wound and this is his death, is this his DMT trip? Sure. Then anything that is taking place in that DMT trip doesn't have to follow any rules. It's dream rules. None of it has to stack up or matter sure. or or make any sort of logical sense or or have a nice tight little bow. I almost think that the that it. the that those elements are the point of the film. Right. Like like the stuff that doesn't make sense. The 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 moments where you as the viewer go like, wait a minute, this world doesn't seem real. Those are the moments when the mm-hmm. movie is hitting your buzzer because right. the movie is the movie is trying to, I think, invoke a moment of gnosis in the viewer where you look away from the screen and you look at the world that you are in mm-hmm. and have that same feeling. That is what this film evokes very effectively for me and I think is attempting to evoke. So, Well, it works because the, yes, man. It, it sticks with you for a few days and you look at things slightly differently and you feel differently and you think differently. There's only a handful of movies that have ever done that to me, none of which, of course, I can think of off the top of my head right now. The Matrix is one. The Matrix, for sure. Um, But where you walk away... Midsummer is a good representation of that, where you walk away and you feel like you've... you got to shake the movie off for a few days. Yeah. That one clings. That one clings to you. That's a pretty... You know what I just watched for the first time last week? I I promise I won't derail us. I just wanted to share, because this is a milestone for me. I watched the very first Total Recall. Shit. Not the remake. I watched the OG. No, we Arnold watched that like one. two weeks ago, man. Speaking of movies that you should watch. You're in a Johnny Cam. <laughs> <laughs> Just tears them out. Oh my god. Um, you should buy Jacob's Ladder. I did. Um, I highly recommend it. De- I think it was like rent for four dollars, purchase for, for like, three. Yeah. So like oh my, or purchase for six. Yeah, or they're something. like trying like, to get rid of this flick. Buy it. Um yep. don't watch the twenty nineteen version. Watch the nineteen ninety version. I forgot that there was even a new remake of this. Which we probably will have to well, at I mean, some it's point. part of our job. We will. We will. But we're gonna we have a long time till we're caught up, so we, we can put that particular pill bitter little pill way off into the future. Yeah. So before we get started, let's 
talk about what Gnosticism is. Yep. And I'd like to hear it again because it's a new concept for me. I understand the the grand sort of idea, like the sure. sketch of it, but I need the colors filled and in a little so bit. It's so complex, and I'm like, and I like it's a, it's almost like you need a course of study to yeah, fully understand, it, or to even it's almost religious in a way in that you live through certain. I've heard it described as um, like super religious or right. hyper religious because it is in a strange way a meta religious concept. Sure. So, um, all right, drink of water and then Gnosticism because <laughs> it's it's a bit. And he's doing it. He's got the water in his mouth. He has <coughs> successfully swallowed. <coughs> Clear me the frog. <laughs> <laughs> me oh me oh my. <laughs> gotta, clean, gotta clean out those Fleurbjergens. All right. So the basic premise of Gnosticism. And this is an idea that predates Christianity, although the current idea, the current um, form that this idea has longest endured in, it is a very, uh, it's like a subset or strange offshoot sect of Christianity. Um, and a lot of what informs these ideas come from like Bible study. Now, this is not Bible study in the sense that you think of immediately when I say Bible study. This is not like in a church. In fact, the, the Gnostics and Gnostic beliefs are, we know most about them from early history because of Christians complaining and bitching about the Gnostics. Funny. Okay. Yeah, so it's mostly like treatises about like these people are fucking our religion up. Right. And like, is it because they're asking too many questions or digging in too much or being kind too of. analytical? Or? So... So the Gnostics believed that this reality, the world, when you look around, listener, right now, and you see the trees through your window, and you see the walls, and you see the ceiling, and you go to work, and you eat, and you shit, and you sleep, this reality, this world, is not a fake world, but a fabricated world. Mm. So the, the original idea is that God created, you know, God created everything. Like, And when I say God, I mean capital R real intelligent being that we as humans have never had contact with. Right. They, I believe the word that's most commonly ascribed to that being in Gnostic philosophy is abraxas. So this is a, this is essentially this like hyper dimensional being outside it's of this weird. reality. You just hearing that, like that gave me goosebumps hearing <laughs> the name out loud for whatever reason. There's a lot. Like yeah. when you find out like the, then the place that he reposes is called Pleroma, which is the f divine fullness of light beyond this reality. So the idea is that this, this sort of like um, element, and this is this is the mythology of it. Right. I actually look at Gnosticism as a really complex metaphor for essentially simulation theory mixed with Carl Jung and natural fractals. But we can get into that Fuck later you, if you buddy. want. I know. <laughs> this is going to be one of those episodes, dude. Okay. But um, essentially what happens is, and this actually dovetails really beautifully with Grant, one of Grant Morrison's ideas about the nature of reality, which... Let's do that really quick. Grant Morrison, because this is also kind of the setup for Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. Grant Morrison believes that we're a hyperorganism, where human beings are essentially the the million, billion, trillion creeping fingers or roots of an organism that lives outside time. So imagine a bowl of water, and every all of the water is is time is passing, time is happening, change can happen in the water. And the reason that this ultra-dimensional superorganism um, enters time is so that it can change because it exists outside time. And if it were out there forever, there would be stasis. There would be nothing happening. So now imagine, imagine yourself, if you could see time, Carl, 
you would appear as a bit a long snake essentially of images of yourself a billion arms billion legs going out the door and into your car and down the like hill donnie darko exactly yeah. well donnie darko gets into this idea yep. a little bit so it's when you start to conceptualize time as a, an actual dimension where you can see it just imagine that you know there's a giant arm outside this bowl of water and there are fingers that go down into the water and each of those fingers is a human life essentially because if you trace us all back if you, you keep looking at time back into infinity you know you go They're into your mother little... and her into her mother and her into her mother and you go back it's and like back. when you're french kissing someone you're just 60 foot of asshole <laughs> Precisely. There you go. So, so that's Grant Morrison's idea. So and that's what not the same he thing. he had an experience once where he essentially he had a, he had like a transcendental experience when he was in Kathmandu, and he I know right like it's Grant Morrison, that's bro. Weird. So he went to this like giant uh, vaulted space filled with geometric fractals, which is a common um, a common reportage of people who go to or go through DMT experiences. Mm-hmm. So. And he, like, he's told the story. You can find an old episode of Fat Man on Batman. It's a two-parter, and Grant Morrison goes into it in depth. I highly recommend to anybody interested in the occult or alternative thought, go and check that out. Um, but, so he believes that when we, he, and he describes that space as more real than anything he's ever seen. Like, you and I, he said, uh, the way he describes it is, like, when he came back, when he woke up back here, he looked around at the world, and it, to him, it looked like this low-res, eight-bit, shitty what version of where he had just been. You know what I mean? Like when he, this other place, he's like, was the most crystalline, real. It was like the certainty, like, oh, oh my god, I just had the most fucked dream. This is reality. And then when he woke up back here, it, he's like, it was like waking up inside Mario. You know, it's like this bullshit, you know, like shitty 480p right. film version of this 4K world or 10K world that he had just been in. So we'll get that's wow, like trying to watch Endgame on dial-up. Yes, and when you and when you get into simulation theory and how it ties into Gnosticism, that kind of makes sense, which is spooky. Listener, uh, 2020 was a weird year, yeah. so I read a lot of <laughs> stuff. All right, so that's Grant Morrison's idea. Now the Gnostics believed this. Abraxas, the the true god, and remember what in according to the Gnostics, what Christians worship is actually a being called the Demiurge, not the true God. We've never had contact with the true God because he's essentially in a, like a space coma. Think of it that way. Sure. Um, he's lost in like this reflective mirror version of staring at himself, and that's why he can't he he can't really like come and intercede on our behalf because he too is like essentially gone mad. Um, there's a famous saying amongst modern Gnostics: "Is God has gone insane and." became us <laughs> so um uh, there's this the idea and they give names to co- like really broad concepts so like there's this name given to the the air quotes wisdom of god or the mind of god and they call that sophia so this is the element of god that fled him and came to our reality and it, i couch it in the christian terms but there is there's other ways to interpret gnosticism that don't involve like a sentient deity or whatever just think of it at this point like um like don't think like christian sky daddy think like lovecraftian entity beyond our possible conception of uh, you know like our universe to him is but like a bead of sweat on his head like that is the scale we're talking about so, oh my gosh, so so to put it into terms from my brain, did we just watch Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, when the Kraken is attacking the ship? Yeah. 
uh, Danielle said, oh, Cthulhu. I said, no, that's about the size of one of Cthulhu's sperm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Abraxas, think like the Kraken is like one of his crabs. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. So this part this part of his wisdom the the call it the divine spark think of it as the promethean fire that thing which is stolen from on high mm-hmm. and given to man right there's eerie parallels between most mythological systems and and gnosticism so that divine spark the intelligence the wisdom the curiosity the intellect the um sentience is stolen or or breaks off depending on what version you're reading with the metaphor stands that part is lost essentially god loses his mind and his mind is sophia there's complex myths about sophia but that's not important sophia comes to this reality and gives birth to something called the demiurge now let's talk metaphorically because so far it sounds like i'm like a christian preacher and that's not Mm. at all what my vibe with gnosticism so sentience reaches mankind let's say man becomes self-aware and immediately uses that self-awareness or some dark element of that self-awareness, that, that consciousness, begins immediately to construct a prison to control this group. That's the idea of the Demiurge. The Demiurge in the straight-up Gnostic myth is jealous of God's ability to create and, and uh, is jealous of its like all consu- this being's all-consuming power and omnipotence, so once it sees that he's out of the picture, or it is out of the picture, I should say, this giant, incomprehensible being beyond the stars, beyond all dimensionality, when he's gone mad, the demiurge creates this reality that we're in mm-hmm. right now, creates a false world. because, And then he also creates um, like these helpers called archons that can look like demons or can look like agents, for example. And Familiar with the concept of Archon. Interesting. Graham Morrison writes about it in The Invisibles. Yeah. The yep. idea is that the Archons, and this is where you start, now this is where Gnosticism gets a little weird because it can start to sound a little Illuminati-esque where they say like, sure. you know, like uh, the those in like positions of power or people who like create these stupid oppressive legislations or laws or anything that stops people from air quotes waking up waking or up, taking right. that red pill or realizing essentially that whole vatican conspiracy of the the books of the bible that are only the apocrypha the apocrypha thank you yeah um it's well and that's the that's the and here's the weird fucking thing because See, you, it's the whole assassin's creed series yeah but the but the weird that is actually <laughs> really true is, yeah. yeah it's the apple of eden and it's actually a pre no, like nothing ancient, is ancient, what is it nothing is, is real is and real, everything is permitted. permitted yeah yeah that's this is that is kind of the idea of gnosticism but so like here's this and you, this is one of those weird things is where you're like well you read about the apocrypha and you're like what do you mean there's 13 books of the bible that have been removed from the bible so you go and buy an old 1560 edition like a facsimile copy of mm-hmm. the geneva bible and lo and behold there's 13 books in there and then you can also find like anyway it yeah. is it is a fun it's rabbit a hole to well, dive man. down. I fucking dig it though. So essentially, the demiurge has created this reality to keep humanity trapped here because within, depending on what is it sources, because of the, we're the knowledge, we're the the brain of the thing. Yes. And if we ever go back home, then Abraxas is now back to full. essentially completed. Or now, right. rather than thinking of like Abraxas as a separate being from us, it's the one and the same. We're all the same. We thing. become aware. We're a Essentially, remember uh, a hyperorganism. Right. We are the missing pieces of a whole, and because we're fragmented, we all perceive ourselves as independent individuals. If that picture ever comes back together, then right. And now, 
Now, here's where we can, and the Archons exist to essentially keep the pressure on so that we don't realize that the world that we're living in isn't real or is like a, a, a prison or a false it. reality. It's, it's, yeah, back to the Matrix, right? If they, at first, the first, right. the first uh, virtual world, they made everyone had everything they wanted and they revolted and woke up right away because well, people aren't, they can't, it's too good. People know that the world is isn't real the way i described it you need to be like tortured a little bit yeah you and also like the other thing that i was thinking about um because this is also like the concept of the out behind the album that we're working on this is Mm -hmm. informing heavily the novel that i'm working on right now i'm very i'm quite fascinated by gnostic philosophy and one of the things i was saying to bird was you know um so there's been this like new age push for like the last say five years or six years or 10 years or 20 or whatever. And more and more people are kind of dabbling in the occult. There's celebrities that are kind mm-hmm. of making it fashionable. There's a lot, a big push towards meditation. Well, the last year sort of put some nitro into that tank. Definitely. Definitely. And the, I think the big one is meditation because it's not meditation is now being presented as not something that's woo woo, but literally like there are t- top top tier doctors, medical professionals. There's there's unilateral evidence that meditation is beneficial. So everyone is recommending that we start doing it. Everyone is pushing it. Well, the Gnostics, one of the methods that they use to achieve Gnosis, which again is that moment of Gnosis is the moment that you look up and recognize that something's wrong. Right. It's the red pill moment. You take it and you look around and you're like, how does uh, Morpheus say it in the Matrix? He says, there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there Mm -hmm. like a sliver in your mind driving you mad. That is the perfect description of what Gnosis is. So, um, yeah, dude, it's there's a fucking lot. But anyway, um, so that's that's the gist of Gnosticism. And what the Gnostics believed was the only way that you could wake up or recognize fully the the falseness of the world around you or or like the the fabricated nature of the world around you was to attain knowledge and to attain altered states of consciousness through um essentially ecstatic ecstatic rituals or sex magic or um think like old mystery school Mm -hmm. you know like these these mystery religions where they would do like these these crazy wild occult rituals to like get adrenaline up and create moments of like no mind, which the Eastern mystics also do. Oh yeah. So that's how you create that moment of gnosis. Now really quick, let me tie this into simulation theory, Carl. (laughs) So have you heard anything about, um, the voice actors and the deep fake voice controversy that's going on right now? Um, some, but we let's talk about it. So right now, voice <laughs> deep fake freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, it's terrifying how good it's getting, right? Yeah. So there's a couple things that are happening happening concurrently right now that have gotten a lot gotten some people who like talk about this sort of thing or who are interested in this particular set of philosophical ideas talking about um about what it might mean for Gnostic ideas or Gnostic thought or simulation theory. Because I don't really ascribe to like the the sort of Christian bent of this idea. Right. I kind of see this as like essentially a, a metaphor, uh, like a metaphorical system through which to better understand and perhaps recognize simulation theory. So simulation theory posits that any sufficiently advanced civilization that has essentially unlimited computing powder power which we are heading towards yeah you know and, and uh it's it's um yeah it's out of control if you think of the last hundred years how far we've come right from ma bell 
to hey this weird fax machine right. to I can watch an HD movie on my phone like yeah and you can put on like the Oculus Rift and literally go into simulated realities yeah, exactly. now they don't look perfect but someday they will this is the idea once you can run simulations of that caliber of that of that depth once and especially once you can incorporate AI there's a yeah so I sorry you you made me remember that oh there's some there's of the more. Uh, some there's of the so Oculus Rifts some some of the really good headsets yeah there is a um uh something that occurs to people that play too long like they're in that world for say three or four hours at a time yeah and they take the Oculus off everything looks kind of weird virtual to them for a long period of time a buddy of mine that used to work at the um at the winery said that that would happen he'd be playing like flight sims or something sure and then he's actually a pilot he actually flies mm-hmm. and so when the next time he was flying everything looked like a simulation that's to fucking him. terrifying yeah <laughs> i don't want my pilots wait like being like yeah hey man am i maybe this is the game let's dive no, dive like he knew that this yeah, he was yeah. in his real but everything starts to look a little bit like a simulation there's a word for it and 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 they're actually finding that it's a a, a, it's something happens in your brain when you're because your brain recognizes what you're seeing and hearing is not real it's a simulation sure, yeah. it knows you're playing a game so it's making different pathways and then when you take that off your brain is still sort of functioning on that level so right. when it's it's in, it's it's perceiving real reality but it's also putting it through that this isn't real filter because you now, were just in that world for four hours the gnostics would argue that what's actually happening is you've conditioned your senses to detect a virtual to detect reality a, but that's and when you was, took your yeah. goggles off you, you were able to detect yeah. a virtual reality which this reality yeah. would be so which is that's what, yeah that was the the end point of that is how funny is that that that's sure. what you're actually doing oh, just wait train dude. your brain to see, the, see the, fucking... this new like deep fake controversy combined with what's going on with ai in gaming has is blew my fucking mind when I heard it because the idea the idea of like simulation theory is if there's a if there's a, a a culture that achieves technological supremacy which means that essentially that it can do like infinite number of calculations it can run like um, simulations that are indistinguishable from reality once you have attained that level of technology you can run an infinite number of absolutely real indistinguishable indistinguishable from reality simulations because you at that point the technology that you have access to is like indistinguishable from magic right you can once the oculus rift once you put those goggles on and it looks no different from reality because that's how good they've gotten it then at that point you can run that an infinite number of times which means right. that there would be an infinite number of simulated realities that would be full and comprehensive and all of the care every character in that reality every person in that reality would be part of a massive running simulation but because you have so much processing power each person each one is different everyone could be different every universe is also different and then of course there's this idea there's the like the npc idea which i don't buy into the non-player character exactly he's out there exactly yeah. so you know so anyway I know they all like to come into the winery at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, Bird and I were out walking around on the beach earlier, and like 
we were looking for uh, like beach, uh, um, like a t- twisted log for a display mm-hmm. that she's working on. So we went left and we found this kind of like shitty one. And then we went right and we w- walked a long way and we found this other one, but it was too long. But we were able to use the first one to break the second one to take the first one back. And I'm like, huh, it's just like a puzzle game. And Bird goes, you can't say <laughs> you shit, can't like, say that. shit <laughs> like that. After all the Gnostic talk at home, just like, no, it's, it's just like Farmville. No, it you're isn't. You're like, you're not. No, it it's isn't. not no, like it Farmville. Not this is a real meaningful existence that we're living here. But here's the big controversy. So first. Yeah, this deep fake thing. Because like, because of the deep deep fakes are getting so good, they only need a, I think it's that like forty hours or forty two hours of you speaking, and they can run that amount of your voice into a computer, and then that computer can literally perfectly replicate your voice, and it, they can make you say anything, anything at all. In fact, I don't know if you've heard, but they're releasing air quotes new Nirvana songs and new David Bowie songs. I don't like that. I hate it. I hate, I hate everything that. about it. But anyway, but if it's their voice it's there at what point is it not i mean that a it's human not, it's didn't... not their mind it's right. well like that's the thing like the nirvana song sounds like a shitty nirvana right, song sure. the david bowie song There's no sounds heart like... behind no it. like because have... you don't have the mind but you do have the ability to create a performance which is kind of frightening so here's here's the big complaint is voice actors when they sign off to do the voice basically they give the that company the right to do whatever to their voice forever because they're like, okay, oh, yeah, shit. here's your performance. So what they've started doing now is a lot of places are like, okay, well, we get enough we get enough voice from I mean, someone and we can just yeah. replicate it now. Now we've got your voice. Now we so they're they're mm. uh, voice actors are saying like this will eventually You're still not going to have performance though. It gets better though, Carl. Because or it does it. It gets worse, Carl. So you know when you're talking in a game, when you're talking mm-hmm. to like another character, it has like you, right now there's like, like a dialogue. A, there's tree. a certain set of responses. Yep. You say this and it says that, and then you say this and it says that. What they're working on right now and have currently succeeded in doing. It's in like the early stages, but they've done it. They have this is like a thing that will be in video games within say the next five to ten years. They're working on AI for NPCs. So they program these non-player characters with an AI algorithm so that you can walk up to it and say anything and it will be able to respond to you. And the more you interact... Not just like, I don't have any potions today. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, you're not... You walk up and you're like, hey, uh, this sky sure is fucked up. And they're like, would you like to buy a sword? It's not going to be that. Right. It's going to be, yeah, This. I mean, I don't know. This guy looks pretty blue to me. What's wrong? Are you on drugs? And it will be able to speak to you as though it were also living. And the more you talk to it... It will learn about you. It'll remember your name. It'll remember what you love. It can. Hey, how that those potions work out for you? Or if it's or if it's set to be aggressive or whatever, it can be. It it knows how to push your buttons. So essentially, th- now here's the. It gets even better, Carl. What a lot of companies are starting to do is they're taking like that voice actor, and they're making that like the player essentially, and you can tweak. You can tweak like eyes and ears and nose mm-hmm. and make them bigger, fatter, taller, shorter. And then they turn on the AI and then they've got that voice. They can make that voice say anything. And then now the AI is in charge of that voice. So what you essentially have is a simulated thinking sentient being that can have opinions and can respond and can think, which sounds a lot like what you and I would be if we were inside a simulation. And we're doing that now here. Which is a lot of people saying evidence that yeah. simulation. The only thing it's missing is uh, self-awareness. Well, it's th- they're saying that within the next five to ten years, that'll be no well, problem. Well, that's the whole Skynet thing. Is like as soon as they become self-aware, then that's that's a moment of problem. 
Well, I was saying a bird, like you know when you walk around in the world and you. Or is see that the head click? That what the. When is, when the simulation becomes self-aware, that's that's us having our head click moment and being aware. Because is my idea of being self-aware actually being self-aware, or am I just running a simulation in a very complex algorithm? Exactly. Now here's how I look at this idea, Carl. Now here's where I. This is not traditional Gnostic philosophy. This is where my ideas start to kind of let's say pollute the purity that I've tried to sure. present so far. But what you know, like w- today we were walking and bird. We were walking down a, a path, and you know how like sometimes you'll see like a uh, a leaf just mm-hmm. hanging in the air and spinning, yeah. and you're like, oh, it's on a spider web, right? Well, Bird walked through that today and like bumped it, and she's like, that was so weird, and I was like, oh, is it, what was it? She's like, there was a leaf hanging and spinning, and I walked into it. I was like, was it on a spider web? She's like, I must have been. I didn't feel one, and I was like, oh, but you know what? Like even in a really excellent video game, every once in a while, Switches. like yeah, like you'll be you'll be running through a battlefield and there's a brass hanging in the air mm-hmm. you know and you're like oh that that brass didn't f- like the physics of that yep. didn't pan out or like you'll be It'll clip through a wall or something weird like that yeah and that's like these moments where people are will say stuff like dude i i like made a sandwich and i went into the living room and i came back and everything was put away again and there was yeah. no sandwich made or there's a leaf hanging in midair and you like bump it and that oh okay whatever like it there's they call them glitches in the matrix because i like uh, my for for whatever reason my simulation likes to walk under street lights and turn them off so yours does yeah, yeah like a lot a lot a lot now this is more than i'm comfortable with this is where like the this is where the ideas get super screwy because like jung takes this into account as synchronicities jung his ideas also incorporate something called the collective unconsciousness now if you, what if the collective unconsciousness is just the source code for this particular simulation which means we would all have access to it because we're all being run by it wow Exactly. So the idea of not what a Gnostic would be or an, a, a person, someone interested in Gnosticism or, or a Gnostic person or someone who had undergone Gnosis, that moment of Gnosis would be your AI exceeding the parameters of the, of the simulation, simulation where you'd be like, all right, I'm supposed to incorporate this amount of information. But the problem with the simulation is that the processing power is so great that your your AI becomes becomes aware of the becomes meta aware mm-hmm. of its reality starts min maxing and shit yeah essentially we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna dump all my stats into strength you just yeah you just like one arm like fully yeah, beef. Exactly. but now this is interesting because like this is what um now when you take this back to the christian gnostics this is what the christian gnostics believe jesus was was essentially like now I'm going to say like a simulated character who became like an AI character who became aware and was able to manipulate code. Wow. So he's able to like walk through walls and he can perform miracles. And when we hear about like people who can do strange things who are like religious figures or whatever throughout history, modern Gnostics usually point to those. Now I don't get sure. no, if I give that a ton of credence because the other thing about simulation theory is we don't know that the simulation wasn't started this morning and everything that we believe we've perceived up See, till now is that, implanted that memory. fucks my brain up. Right. It, <laughs> if it, if it had been turned on at any point, it could have been turned on at any point. Five minutes ago. Yeah. That we could have, we, we could have come into this talking because we were two characters like mm-hmm. preloaded and predisposed to be spreading this kind of information. What's your backstory? Exactly. So anyway, Anywho. now you can see how this type of thinking can lead to a lot of, uh, you know, paranoia, exactly. <laughs> severe mental illness, probably. Um, 
but I'm fucking fascinated by it. Yeah. I absolutely adore these ideas. Um, and I won't even get – we can't because I've already gone on too long. But, uh, like, when you get into, like, the fractals and the way that this idea seems to permeate almost all art when you look closely mm-hmm. enough at it, like Hotel California or The Shining – or all of the collected works of Philip K. Dick, or The Matrix, or Mary Had a Little Lamb, or all mythology. There, it, this is a particular. It's either it's either like a self-replicating idea that is echoing through generation after generation of humans, because there's an inherent truth to it that there's an that this is something that mankind is trying to tell itself. So it keeps burying it, and it's art. wow. So the fuck, dude, that's weird. Because this morning I had a shower thought. Yeah. Um, probably because I knew that we we're going to be coming and talking about Jacob's, Jacob's ladder. ladder. Yeah, yeah. That it's sort of along the lines of Gnosticism, but let's say there isn't no simulation. This is all objective reality. There's sure. never been anything other than what we are experiencing, right? Yes. So, but what my brain was going to is like we don't exactly know how long life has existed. We have some idea of how old our galaxy is, how the planet is, the sun. And I was thinking in terms of uh, recently people have been posting a lot of shit online, like how big a difference a million is from a billion. Like we ha- we have a concept or an idea how much bigger a billion is than a million. Right. But it's a lot bigger than you think it is. Oh, yeah. It's it's almost breaks your brain trying to piece together how much bigger, how big a billion is. Right. Right. So it's I think that's beyond the number that a human being can hold in their head. You know, it is. As we like don't, conceptually. We yeah. can't quite con- conceive of what that number is. Right. So we've been around for, say, millions or billions of years, a planet, galaxy, solar system, whatever. Yeah, so yeah. there is, and my brain went to, in a very brief amount of time, like we have, uh, what if we have existed many times over from from that little glob of of primordial goop evolution to incredible amounts of technology and then event happens. Right. Everything gets... Because Earth doesn't need humans. Mm-hmm. And so everything gets covered back over, kind of like the movie AI, where the, the fucking alien species finds the robot buried in the ice. Right, right. So because the Earth doesn't need... We get so concerned about like um, ecology and like the, the global warming. Earth going to be fine. What it doesn't need is us. We'll die. So at some point, we'll, we'll die. die. Yeah. And <laughs> X number of years later, the planet will rebuild itself. And who's to say that capital B billion years later, this primordial ooze that's stewing in the whatever right. decides to become a human. And then we have art again, but it's slightly different than the version that it was before. And Dude, how many times has this happened your, previously? This idea is halfway between my current idea about the nature of time and humanity and the ancient civilizations theory. Yeah, You're like see, right I'm dead right center between... Because ancient civilizations theory posits that there was... We left, for one. Well, there's that theory that we became so... Oh, like uh, like OG life on Earth got yeah, so yeah. good that they bailed. So they have like ancient aliens sort of thing. Sure. We're like, hey, we're good. We leave this. Bye. Well, we... <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, like we reached a, uh, we managed to reach technological supremacy at the moment of a tipping point climate crisis. Yeah. And then we bailed off of her. I mean, I, I don't even know anything about the theory, but I can see how, yeah. how this works. Um, the ancient civilizations theory would essentially be like, like life as it exists and the, and now. And the word ancient isn't giving it enough, like, weight. 
ancient Very. is like million versus billion again. Like, Kinda, yeah. Like and there, there should be an older word than ancient. Because you say ancient, I think... Antediluvian is actually the word. Because I think pyramid, something that still exists and we can reference to in a very real way as ancient. What you mean as ancient is something that we have no reference for or can point to anymore. We do. Antediluvian. So antediluvian means before the the flood. Okay. Is that what that actually means? And now there is some evidence that a massive flooding event did occur historically. Sure. Yeah. So like when I, when we're talking about the Christian flood, I don't mean like God or in, I mean, if you want to keep it Gnostic, the Demiurge created a flood to like wipe out huge chunks of the, I mean that this is something that actually happened. Right. Floodwaters rose and it wiped civilizations off the fucking map. So some global pe- warming version 2.0. Yeah. We're, we're heading we're into 4.0. Maybe we're heading into a thousand point but who knows? The idea is that basically a tech, a hyper technologically advanced civilization or, or something like basically modern day or whatever um, existed before our earliest history. And that's why we find like Atlantean shit, Atlantean shit, or like uh, a race of people who were like able to like pre Nubian. Because, like, Nubians are a historical group that we're oh, aware fair. of. Oh, yeah, yeah, So, I mean, this would be, like, like Atlanteans is the perfect example, but it would be, like, essentially a hyper-technologically advanced race living in what is now Egypt, you know? And they build pyramids and they build, like, these these hyper-engineered um, like marvels that modern engineers are like, how the fuck? How the fuck? There's no fucking way. And you're like, look, and then of course people are like, well, no, it's they did. It was craftsmen, and it took like a really long time. And then engineers are like, what in the fuck, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the idea is like the reason we can't explain that is because we're just not aware of a civilization that was vastly technologically superior that existed before the Egyptians. And essentially, this flood or this cataclysm, um, meteor strike, whatever, whatever massive extinction event happened on Earth to wipe these civilizations out, a very tiny amount of them lived. Mm-hmm. And they passed on a small fraction of their wisdom to basically the new humans that were coming out of the soup or coming or like right. these early like Neanderthal men or whatever. These are the Promethean myths. This is the and idea. Because then you're a you're a god to that new essentially person yeah. thing. Yeah, you have <laughs> access to what, what's the famous quote? Is it Arthur C. Clarke? Or yeah, I think any, so. Any sufficiently advanced technology yeah. would be indistinguishable from magic. Yep. So That's this Arthur C. Clarke. I think so. But the so th- this is the this is the f- now again like who knows i have no fucking idea i'm not a i'm not a scholar i just like to read a lot and but you can see how this idea would have a certain appeal it explains all mythology yeah you're like all right well there's there's like these recurring themes that happen throughout mythology and maybe this is an ancient civilization here's where i'm kind of sitting on time so in the bhagavad gita no, like I, we haven't even fucking mentioned the opening credits of Jacob's Letter, but Hour Seven. I love it. <laughs> hey, baby, this is we're coming. We're back at you hard. So in the Bhagavad, because the movie's hard to talk about. This is this is like homework to get even be to able to, to talk the about the movie. You need out. like yeah. a common lexicon <laughs> of really heavy, fucking crazy yeah. philosophical ideas. So the Bhagavad Gita talks about existence in the terms of like. 10 billion years and 100 billion years and 500 billion like when we talk about how long humans have been around it's like well you know like the oldest civilizations are like 1500 b 15,000 bc right. you know well, the year is 2021 yeah we're in we're in 2021 years yeah and the, since 
Christ. Exactly. Yeah, since you know, and since that's ancient. Yeah, because we can't. If that's so fucking long ago, antiquity, shit. right? Like yeah. you know, like Vikings are like eighteen hundred BC, you know, or seventeen hundred BC or whatever. That's like a barely a tick on the clock. It's like nothing. Zero. It's like nothing. It's Actually, nothing. it might have been like seven hundred. I don't know history. When like that well. listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about time like freaks me out. It's it is kind of horrifying. Yeah. So what? There's all of these, like most religious systems have this cyclical idea to them. Where like in, in like just to really give this like super basic and again I'm not like a religious scholar so please don't be mad at me, but uh, not you you're never mad no, at me, no. <laughs> listener don't be mad at me, but like this idea of reincarnation right so you die and then your soul goes off to somewhere else for a bit and then whoop you pop back into this plane of reality, where'd you go, and why are you coming back here? Mm-hmm. So what is it about here that is inescapable? There's the Gnostic connection. So, but the, yeah, why wouldn't you fuck off somewhere else? Well, when you achieve enlightenment or achieve a mastery of knowledge and a detachment from this particular prison, then you <laughs> slip through the bars and you return, you go elsewhere. Right. This is the idea behind Buddhism. So, there's this here's how I, and then when you look at the, now you take that idea and combine it with this idea in the Bhagavad Gita that the, the aeons that souls live through, that, that, us whatever mm-hmm. we are maybe we haven't always been men maybe once we were angels maybe once one day we will be little gray aliens with giant heads you know as we evolve and change you have to when you look at our species not on a 2000 year scale or a 20000 or a 100000 but on a 100 billion or a 10 billion yeah year scale 2000 versus a billion now make a racetrack in your head Carl nope you're it's, it's, sorry okay yes it's a racetrack okay yeah. And like each quarter of it is a hundred billion years. Now think of it this way: so we we're at this. Let's put us at the starting line, just so we have a place to sure, think of. Here we are. Here we are in the starting line, and like the one foot behind the starting line is all of human history, or whatever you know, <laughs> yeah. like like six inches behind. So you, you overshot the starting line. You got to back up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. That's so, the bumper width. Yeah, like first is what we got. First so far. things crawling out of the stew is like the, your tailpipe hanging over the ba- oh behind of the car. God. So that think about it that way. So now you only have to go like a hundred yards down this track to get to like the extinction of man, right? And then there's a you know like go go another two hundred yards and there's like nothingness. There's like these like bacterial organisms. You're only still in like the billion year range or two billion year range. This is lap one, too. How many laps is the race? Exactly. So, <laughs> so what I'm now here's where my idea gets kind of squirrely. We turn into aliens. We yeah. turn into ge- like beings of pure geometrical intelligence. But then we start warring, and we're like a quarter of the way around the track, and we start warring, and we just like destroy ourselves with super weapons that like can warp reality and shit. Whatever, whatever the fuck the rest of four hundred billion years of history looks like, right? But here's my here's my thought, and here's my conception of how Gnosticism works is that we're essentially like on an endless replay loop, right? Because that would be the ultimate prison. So we we ascend to like the peak, we destroy ourselves down to bugs, those bugs become bacteria and then the bacteria form into multi-celled organisms like, and they fuck, crawl out of the ocean. From what's going on like from a universe because eventually our sun will burn out and the, the galaxy will, the universe will be no more but eventually there'll be another big bang and the universe will form again. 
Well, we, it's all going to keep continuing those, to happen. Those time scales are so beyond they're where they're so able to huge, consume. They're I, ridiculous. The last theory that I heard was that the universe would just essentially continue to expand until the space between single electrons was so great that essentially nothing would exist. Right. We would just like cease to exist, which you can't even wrap your head around no. what that means. Every electron in the universe is so far apart that there's no such thing as physical matter anymore. Like, what the fuck does that mean? You went too far! Anyway, so then the my idea is, like, and then these, so this these things crawl out of the water, and they become upright eventually, and they get fire, and then they off they go, and they continue their, their merry way around the racetrack, and then at a certain point, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Hartley meet each other, and then Mr. and Mrs. Hartley have two you know, little youngsters, Sarah and Carl, and they grow up to be strapping young yeah. folk. And then, and then Carl meets this guy, Max, in a restaurant, and then Max and Carl sit down in front of microphones, and they are completely oblivious to the fact that they have done this countless times over countless aeons because they have not yet. That sounds awesome. It kind of, like, it does look. <laughs> There's your gilded cage, right? There it is, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, this I know the steak is not real, <laughs> but it's delicious. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. You know what else is bliss? Seeing the Studio Canal logo yeah, come dude. up at the beginning. Anytime you see fucking Studio Canal pop up, you're 1990. Like, you're at the beginning of the heyday of some oh, crazy yeah. shit being made. Oh yeah. These independent fucking like offshoots of. Because the Studio Canal, I forget who founded it, but it was like... Is that what, who did um, Enter the Void as well? Oh, no. That was not Coralco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I have a note. Fuck you, Coralco. Fuck you, Coralco. <laughs> well, that's total recall for sure because I just saw that. But Oh, my God. No. Um. So what I loved most about this, and I have always been a huge... Let's see what movies they've got. Because um, it's one of the first like indie um, studios like it was an offshoot of basic instinct last yeah. love matter yeah. gunpowder milkshake oh they tend to be a little more um like if you don't pull some shit this is going to be nc-17 total recall yeah. serpico apocalypse now elephant man flash gordon rambo i mean yeah. come the fuck on i'm i haven't even started scrolling yet richard the third mm-hmm. you know like it's this is pretty African Queen. So Studio Canal. Anytime you see that, you'll yeah. love to and see it. And a lot it. of some of that's just the uh, distribution rights on a few of those. They didn't, sure. weren't actually part of the uh, studio process. But they, but they but they gobbled up a lot of like rights for distribution for classics and and they do and the stuff that they distribute like. If, to me, Studio Canal, sometimes you see stuff like TriStar. Yeah. Especially the old school Pegasus, too. Dude, Fuck man. Yeah, dude, you Most never... of the TriStar shit wasn't movies that I could watch because they're mostly PG-13 or R-rated. Sure. And they were all like rowdy shit like Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> Um, there's, it's, it's like, I, dude, there's something about seeing, like, now we've all, you know, we all see the, you know, 20th Century Fox, Mm -hmm. and you see him for a million years, but every once in a while, when the OG... Like the OG Orion yes, logo, like the old school, like yeah, shitty low grade version of that, and you're like, yes, this was TriStar before TriStar had money. Yes, <laughs> but this endearing and it's wonderful, and it was like the golden age of of movie making, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 50s and 60s are great. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we get the 80s and 90s, man. We I come back to it a lot. It's like one of my favorite movies. I and not favorite in like. 
my favorites are very that I'm on record is like the last Star Fighters singing in the feeling, rain. And so they're not they're they're outside of the realm of like eighties and nineties, yeah, but yeah. Like the cluster of movies that I want to go back to over and over again or get super excited about are Flatliners, The Lost Boys, shit like Jacob's Ladder. Yes, man. It's you know there's, like there's a certain feeling that this era is just imbued with for mm-hmm. me. Any flick you're gritty. You can tell too. You can tell. Like the second a nineties movie pops on, you're like, this movie was made in the fucking nineties. Yep. Even if it's ninety. Like mm-hmm. the year if it's ninety, a period picture. Yeah, if you're they're like, doing like a, Les Miserables. This is a, the nineties, like Les Miserables. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's right right off the bat, the first thing we see. Well, actually, let's talk about the movie in this this fashion. Yeah. We're gonna assume, listener, and I'm not even fucking around. You, w- stop this fucking recording now. Watch the movie. And Watch. Come back. The movie, like you just went to school for an hour ten. Yep, we told you a lot of stuff about like weird esoteric. You have a second class you need to attend. It's called Watch the Movie Jacob's Fucking Ladder. You should watch it. You really should. Now look, we've been away, so far be it from us to scold you on any points. (laughs) Fair point. But but, and if you want to listen to it, that is fair. But the set, you're gonna reach a point where you're like, I know too much about this movie. I want to watch it. You want to experience this first. This movie is it's twisty, it's turny, it's nothing but spoilers. There's no way to talk about it. You know what it also is? Just a fucking horror movie with psycho fucking drama thriller. Yeah, it's it's romance kind of. It is a brain breaker. It is so good, and it's not. It's a little. It's a little fucked up, but it's nothing like super brutal no. like Midsummer or Enter the no. Void. So w- watch it. Yeah. Now here we go, Carl. Yeah. What's real? There's three, at least three realities that we're presented with. Three consistent, and then, with a few that may dovetail slightly, and they do kind of like blend or melt into they other do. realities. They mash up a little bit. Yeah. And they splinter a little bit. Yeah. It's it's his life with Jezebel. Yep. The new girlfriend post-divorce. Post-divorce. Kids living with the ex-wife. Yeah, those kids who have survived. That's right. Because one did not. There's two children and one That's right. died. One is home alone and home is dead. That was a great joke. Thank because you. it's Macaulay Culkin. That Carl. I am so delighted. Nothing's changed. We're back, baby. There it is. <laughs> One is home alone and home is dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there's the with Jezebel, the girlfriend post divorce, which yep. is kind of what we're that is the reality that we're That's steeped the in for the longest. Reality. Yeah. That's it's the one that the we're. One we, it's not the one we start. It's with. the one we're shown the most. Yes. Then there's Vietnam. Yep. Which, which we, is the first reality with. we yes. see. And our re- the briefest that we spend we, time in, yeah, but we do go back. It's not just a one and done. It's flash not just a flash. flashback. No, it isn't. Because it's like, but my note is like, is this a flash sideways? Are we flashing forward? Up? Are we surfacing? Because he talks about his Vietnam service, like he had been injured, didn't survived that. Right? Is he having nightmares? Because a lot of Vietnam vets had serious, vivid, sure. vivid flashbacks. And of new things that didn't occur that their brain is right using as ser- as therapy like a dream yeah exactly That's d- how exactly how dreams which work. is what I thought that especially because we know right away that they were they're smoking the devil's grass sure so this could have been but we were immediately thrown trip. to yeah, like yeah. five years later yet another movie where from- someone does drugs and then is murdered sorry continue no no absolutely <laughs> because we only spend like a very maybe five minutes eight yeah. minutes in Vietnam. 
before Total. the thing happens. We don't even see him get stabbed in the gut yet. Right. We just like some bad thing happens and then six years later yeah, and yeah. he's working in the post office as a retired war vet whose wife left him we like thousands oh. of other war vets We don't did. even get like a six years later though, which I No, like. no, we just go right to he's got long hair, he's working for the post office and we get through his relationship with Jesse that he's divorced. divorced. One of his children has died of a horrible accident. We learned that pretty quick. Right oh away. Oh my God, Sh- the, the way that they shoot the accident yeah the way that they show us that oh my god dude not since fucking pet cemetery has a kid getting smoked by a truck this is i love pet cemetery yeah man i love that movie when gabriel just walking out and getting smoked is it gabriel it's some weird like it is yeah yeah but like gage gage it's gage Gage. yeah not gabe gabe is your child that's right (laughs) i know it's a good sound (laughs) But like watching Macaulay Culkin, not seeing Macaulay Culkin get hit. That's what you get for, you know, setting traps for people. Yeah. Holy. That's the trap they set for him. Holy shit balls. Yeah, dude. Dude, it's so visceral. That's that is one of the things about this movie is even though. Who's the wet banded now, man? You're gonna just keep keep going. I'm gonna keep pulling Home Alone references. That is, you're gonna pay for that toothbrush. Where runs across the street, gets smoked by a FedEx truck. We're, we're back on because now you like you made the joke, stuck yeah. landing. It was amazing, and then you like now you've got the stick and the horse, and yeah. you're just <laughs> whacking like, away. We're going. We're playing polo now. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. It's so, and then then we have the in what I think is probably. The most brilliant moment of this movie because it doesn't happen until like an hour 20 in. You're like, you're so deep into the movie, you're like, all right, I got it. Yep. And then you kind of think you got it figured out. And then they introduce a third reality. And it isn't until he's all fevered up and like he is dying of like a 118 degree fever. Right. Like, that is, that, that scene makes me sweaty. Dude, it, and you, I, I love. You hate Jezebel, obviously. Because I she's, fucking hate her. She's meant to be hated, so you lo- kind of love the performance because nope, she's pretty yeah, don't good. Burn a, don't burn a person's photos, man. Well, you don't fuck Cthulhu, you well, know. You don't do that either on the dance floor in Raleigh or whatever. Yeah, you know, you don't, like, you don't put the tail in your in your area. You've seen Naked Lunch. Oh yeah. This movie is so. This movie to me felt like a Burroughs novel. Oh, very. A lot yeah. of the time, you know. I was in half the, expecting a typewriter to start talking to him. Right, at one turn point. into like, a bug or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, in the best way, too. It's yeah. not like, well, this is kind of biting off Roy naked Scheider lunch. shows up and takes his skin off. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, like, you could. No, I won't even take it away. I was going to say, like, can you imagine, like, David Cronenberg's Jacob's Ladder? This is fucking close. I mean, it, I don't it, know. I don't know that he would direct this much differently. I agree. I totally. Well, I disagree. Well, there'd be There'd a little be more bit body more body, horror, yeah. body goop going <laughs> Danny on. Danny Aiello would be like, he'd be like putting bones back yeah. in through the skin. And but shit. there is plenty of that. It I is, mean, it's it's dis- pretty gnarly, pretty fucking disturbing. Um, the, I knew immediately that I was gonna like this movie because I bought it just knowing that Kevin Smith loved it. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, if Kevin Smith loves it, it's worth six fifty cents or whatever I paid for 50 it. Fifty cents more than the rental. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, dude, those Vietnam helicopter shots at dusk are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. And I was wondering if, it, well, so we see we see the beginning, and we're introduced to some interesting stuff, ma- a mannerism of his, where he he's walking to go and like 
take a shit or something, right? Mm-hmm. And the the rest of the company is giving him shit. They're like, "Oh, you going to go jack off again, man? This is like the sixth time this they month." They keep calling him Doc. Doc, and he yeah. and he uh he has this little like nervous laugh where he'll be like, "Ha." And it gets progressively louder as he goes. And every time someone says something like shitty to him or like busts his balls a little bit, he goes, "Yeah." <laughs> he does that later as well. Um we see that tick recur and I love this is a movie, by the way, that bears rewatching. Mm-hmm. It's not just one of those where you're like, yeah, I could watch, man, I could watch that a couple times. You should watch this a couple times. It is dense. And it's it's one of those movies where once you've seen it, you watch it again, and now you're seeing everything. Yeah. And then you watch it a third time. Well, the first time you're watching through, you're on the subway with him, he's reading a book, and you're like, is that a demon dick that I just saw poke out from that? Under that person's skirt? Is that a, but Because you're catching things out of the corner of your eye half the time. And they don't linger at all. It's just like, it's this brief, it's just like having that moment of like recognizing something and not sure, is it the leaf spinning in the wind? Right. Or is it on a well, cobweb or what's he happening? He calls them demons and yeah. I call them archons. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, the all the people, like these kind of like weird demonic well, I think is Aiello an angel? Then he would have to be because he's he's supposed he's to representing be. himself as someone that helps him, adjusts him. Right. It's very important that he's a chiropractor and not a MD. Well, he brings in. Um, he makes adjustments. He doesn't fix him. He doesn't right. do surgery. The chiropractic's angle is the only problem that I have. With oh my the god, film. I think it's brilliant. I do too. I do. I I think that it is. It's the perfect tool. Because if it was a psychiatrist. Or a medical doctor, or his family physician, then that's a little on the nose. Like, oh, of course, it's the one. It's the healer. The fact that it's a chiropractor, it's some. It's also a little bit of a fringe medicine as well that not everyone buys into, myself you, included. Which is everyone, why I have problems with. Well, it, no, but. that's but that's why it's a perfect choice because right. if it's a family physician or some or a therapist, something that's that's. Uh, a position that is accepted by the the majority of people to be illegitimate of the illusion, right? Where the chiropractor is not necessarily it's a fringe medicine. Sure, it's the it's not necessarily does it do any good or not or is it bullshit? Like that's perfect that that is the the helper. It's on the edge. It's, it's on the edge. It's slightly outside the established rules, and and it allows for dialogue. Like let's pop that back in there. You know, I I don't okay. The yeah. I guess I I guess I was just being catty because I I have a strong dislike of chiropractic. Me too. But, Me too. But you are right, and I I you have to give the film credit. It is per, the perfect metaphor for like for example, we get the fact that Danny Aiello introduces the ideas of Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. In in this film near the end, you're like, shit. Yeah. Like, the movie's almost. Almost too smart, but you're right. Like the chiro, you're absolutely right. The chiropractic angle, the adjustments, especially when when you're thinking about like Jacob's ladder, and he mostly is adjusting his spine. Mm-hmm. And you know, he Jacob comes to him like broken into pieces, and he sort of like pu- puts the pieces back in touch with each other. So the that- fractal <laughs> pieces that are no longer aligned. At, yeah, as he continues to fracture. Danny Aiello kind of puts him back together and when he's put back together the longer he's been put back together you know like once he goes through these chiropractic sessions reality kind of reasserts itself and it buys him some time to think mm-hmm. through what he's going through and then ultimately Danny Aiello I think I think psychiatry is actually not 
too far off though right because i think that that uh louis is serving that function as well oh he very much tandem. is yeah because carl jung called the christian gnostics the first depth psychiatrists of history because one of the ways that the gnostics would try and create that moment of gnosis that head click moment where reality starts to seem fake was to meditate for really long periods of time and then the other way they would do it is they would sit around and talk about their feelings essentially they they are the first documented people to use group therapy they would stand around and be like i feel bad and i think i feel bad because of this what do you guys think and then they would all talk about how the world was making them feel and they would examine their feelings and try and trace them back to the source and use that to gain self-knowledge the source which well one of the big i mean god it's hard not to just talk about it but like one of the big things in narcissism is um that the idea that the beginning of the world the create like the beginning of this was the end of the world because that was the moment that god went mad and this world blinked into existence and this world being a prison are the beginning of this one is the end of that one so now there's this there's this really interesting um there's this really it's it's actually i've heard it first through philip k dick but there's this great quote i can't even remember the guy's name i wish i feel bad about but that the universe Ten, the different uh, uh, the tendency towards further entropy is what distinguishes the future from the past. So the idea is that the universe just naturally tends towards further disorder and disorganization. Right. It, it tends towards chaos. Chaos, yeah. yeah. Like electrons move farther apart. Mm-hmm. Things everything that everything wants to be vinegar. Ev- everything that's everything that's born dies and decays. Everything mm-hmm. that's built rusts and falls apart. The universe. There's a the the great. Um, it's like a the it's a, there's a Stephen Hawking actually mm-hmm. introduced it in a brief history of time. He's it's the tea, it's called the teacup. Pa- uh, it's par- not a paradox. Par- it's it? not a parable. No. It's but it's the it's the teacup essentially where. Um, you can you will you will occasionally see a teacup fall from a table and shatter on the floor, but you'll never see the teacup then leap back up onto the table and reassemble itself. The universe does not ever tend towards right. further order. So the Gnostics believed that, and Philip K. Dick believed that what the goal would be would be to try and reach the beginning rather than to go further into like this entropic field where things just get more and more More crazy broken (laughs) and the way that i've the way i've always perceived that particular idea that in through this gnostic lens is as more and more people be like would wake up or become aware the archons would have to exert further influence to try and keep people distracted and those distractions would be basically you turn up the fire so you make things worse so that people don't have time to meditate, don't have the headspace to think deeply about themselves. So shit kind of goes sideways. The Anyway. Yeah, I know. No, no, no. I'm starting, I'm starting to think <laughs> that Richard Garfield is a lot smarter than I gave him credit for. Brief aside, so Richard Garfield created Magic the Gathering. He's created a whole bunch of different card games. Sure. His most recent card game that he has created is called Keyforge. It's on its like fourth expansion you've told me a little bit about yeah it. Mm-hmm. so but the premise is you play an archon right sure. and in the in magic it's about defeating your opponent getting their life total from 20 to zero sure. right that's how you win mm-hmm. in keyforge it's about about getting enough amber or this power source to forge three keys and once you forge the three keys your archon ascends and has all the knowledge they need to become what they're intended to be 
and every deck of the game is procedurally generated. You don't go buy booster packs and then create a deck. You go to the store and you buy a playable deck of cards, and when you open it, it has three different houses or suits that you play, Mm -hmm. and every deck is unique and procedurally generated. The Archon and the name of the Archon itself is procedurally generated. Okay. And then you play an opponent, and whoever generates enough ember to forge three keys wins the game by ascending their Archon. Their Archon ascends and becomes... What does it become? Do they specifically say what you become? It's, or well, it just this ascends? is weird, like planar thing. There's a lot. Of, that's why one of the one of the things that this game gets, catches a lot of shit from You're the fan describing base. Describing Gnosticism. Four is is the is the world that he's created doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not like Magic: The Gathering where you have like skeletons and zombies and shit. You have these like energy like archons that need to forge keys to be able to become the thing that they want to but the this the it's houses a beautiful metaphor the, the houses that you're playing yeah. are like you have martians or house brabnar that are very like they're all these very unique and and integrated um factions necess- that you that you play but how interesting is that like that game feels like playing out this gnostic sort so of th- this is because you can only play one house at a time right. on your turn you call a house you can do any action you want to do with that house mm. And then it's the next player's turn. I don't know. It's so weird. you know how so you, forge the key, the keys you know how when you take a microscope and you look progressively smaller and smaller, yeah. you start to see that nature repeats patterns. Mm-hmm. This idea of it's the idea of fractal geometry that essentially yeah. things like split into kind of like these like variegated repeating patterns of themselves. Like trees, trees will repeat. Um, actually, that's one of the things that. Um, birds bird says when we like sometimes we'll like go uh take the dogs for like a a high walk we'll just smoke some weed and go and walk around in nature and birds like one of the things that keeps happening lately is it looks like sections of trees are like copy pasted yeah so but some of that just naturally occurs because nature kind of repeats in this like fractal geometry kind of way and when you go smaller and smaller and you look at like this is what a cell looks like this is what mitochondria look like they all look very much the same yeah it's like this it's like this I mean, honestly, crystals are my favorite example ever. There's this great, if you have the Criterion channel, there's a great collection called Science is Fiction, the films of Jean Penlev. There's 23 science films, and watching the film on crystals forming is one of the most mind-blowing things you'll ever see. But nature naturally repeats patterns. It repeats things in fractal form. I have this idea that Gnosticism this particular let's call it this vibe this mindset this concept is a fractal idea that i said earlier was kind of like echoing through generations Mm -hmm. of humans what i mean is like when you examine almost any piece of art especially pieces of art that are not air quotes literary like genre stuff right there's a huge amount of it that seems to like embody or echo or have some sliver of or some heartstone of Gnosticism in it. Mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland is one of the most famous examples. Yeah. There's this great um there's this great line I believe it's the caterpillar says to Alice, uh, you're a very real girl in an imaginary place and that's why you're in such pain or something like right. that. Like it is literally a gnostic text. She goes into this this imaginary world and needs to grow and develop and well it's the through the looking glass too i mean it's yeah what is the jabberwock and why is it all so there's there's those there's the wizard of oz there's the matrix the truman show 
there's Jacob's Ladder, there's WandaVision. We just watched WandaVision. Mm-hmm. That is people waking up inside a fabricated reality created by a that's an that's Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. You just watched Disney just, <laughs> just fucking put out an eight episode an show eight about episode film about Gnosticism. Yeah. Like and we find out later that like there's like this wicked there's this wicked you no know, spoilers for WandaVision right. but like we have to kind of attack essentially the demiurge and the yeah. way that we escape is by dismantling this falsified reality i'm just saying this idea using sigil magic yes literally <laughs> using sigil magic is what allows her to yeah. s- to understand enough to dis- and what does she have to do to get out carl she has to literally Kill, destroy like destroy the, her fa- this fabricated family that she's created. She's created children and a husband, but she has to realize that they're not real, right? Because that's the only way that she can break. Then we get white vision, which is fucking blowing my mind. Dude, anyway, that's yeah, that's its own city, thing. Yeah. But but there you go. And, and my idea is, th- and I we I mentioned it earlier in the show, but like it's not just this sort of like thrumming undercord that seems to run through ages of humanity, where people keep expressing this idea of a fabricated world created by a malignant entity and you are trapped there and using wisdom bravery cleverness and often ritual magic you escape that space again and what's outside is vastly better (laughs) that idea just keeps fucking popping up and keeps like soaking through history like a repeating leaf pattern like i i believe that the reason what is that pattern that that finds itself in all of nature that's right the the spiral yeah the uh like the the golden ratio yeah exactly what are there's a name for it but i know what you mean play assassin's creed it's in one (laughs) (laughs) assassin's creed dude it's in video games mist i mean this this idea this steeped in the shit i mean it's like and it's not like it's i mean i'm having i had to explain gnosticism because probably many people out there don't know what it is it's but not you like you know what it is though because you've been i've been steeped in it yeah but no like, what i'm saying is you listener do know what it is it is because you've been it's been around you your entire, entire life entire life that's why if you've seen the matrix that should be a head click moment for you like yeah i mean <laughs> like that then that's one of the cool things about it is a lot of a lot of the things that it just seems to pop up in create a sense of unreality mm-hmm. that is itself one of the goals of gnosticism is to create a moment of gnosis because the goal is to wake people up to essentially the idea of the which simulation is, which is much different from being Woke. woke yeah yeah it's it is a completely separate yeah thing you, like not wo- the same thing well i mean like honestly we, we don't why, why the fuck not it's coming up it's an interesting conversation but like in a weird way possibly wokeness is seems to be like this sort of like arconic tool yeah. you know like like uh, oh no man i'm like uh, every modern religion keeps telling you what be in the moment yeah right stay in the moment be in the moment well the the moment is where reality is being written yeah all exactly the time. yeah like really the and actually this is the same thing that there's a lot of different texts that you can go to that point to this, but Philip K. Dick is my favorite. And he, every, there's this Gnostic idea of returning to the beginning, that the answers for the present and for the future are found in the past. Also, Princess Bride. And Princess Bride. Go, go back, back to, to the, the beginning. beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for Brazini. <laughs> Fucking Mandy Patinkin at oh his finest. So brilliant. But yeah. So, and this movie does take us back to the beginning Mm -hmm. because the two realities that we see that aren't let's let's just assume let's let's read it this way for a moment 
Vietnam is real. We are watching, at the beginning of the movie, we are watching right now. Yeah. This is happening. Something weird fucking goes on, and people start shaking, and they're they spitting got that up wacky weed. Well, the wacky weed might not be the thing, because that's part of his brain journey yes. that he takes. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that element pops up immediately when he, let's say, wakes up in... Now, we can just call this the afterlife, but right. I, because I've invested so much time in talking about yeah. Gnosticism, I'll just talk about this whole movie in those terms. But you could also just think of this as sort of the the Bardo experience. Sure. So you do, you I mean the Bardo experience for like uh, psychedelic drug users is you take enough psychedelics that you experience ego death. The Bardo experience is that that feeling, that experience of being dead. And it's actually sought after by like DMT users and people yeah. who are into like high dose psilocybin stuff because it can help you achieve a sense of peace at your own mortality. They're using psilocybin right now as therapy for people who are, are terminally ill mm-hmm. because it if you take a high enough dose or do a couple of si- uh, guided you sessions, you become comfortable you because you gain perspective. And when I think one of the interesting things is the psilocybin and DMT experiences both create a sense of ego death, but also can both lead to that vaulted geometric space with hyperintelligences. What um, Terrence McKenna called machine elves or what we might call or what Gnostics might call aeons. Or what Grant Morrison might call the uh, the super organism. We need to hang out more. Fucking right, is it? <laughs> <laughs>